You're listening to an audio message from Palm Vista Community Church. If you would like to check out more resources, please visit palmvista.org. Welcome to Palm Vista Community Church as we continue our series in the book of Isaiah. We've entitled the series, Living in the Shadow of the Great King. And in the last three sermons of this series, we began it last week, this week, and next week, we're going to be talking about what it means to live under the shadow of the great king. You understand that God is the great king, and he calls us to live under his shadow, which can be a challenge if we're trying to cast our own shadow. He calls us to worship him and walk with him as he builds his kingdom, which can be a challenge if we're trying to build our own kingdom. So even as we begin, let me ask you this. Are you living under the shadow of the great king or are you too busy trying to cast your own shadow? You understand that metaphor, right? And so these last three sermons, I call this bonus coverage. This is bonus coverage. I mean, the series was amazing, wasn't it? So you get three bonus rounds because what we want to do in these three bonus rounds is we want to tease out how God himself has revealed himself as the great king. So in the bonus round, what we have last week is the Davidic king who brings hope. So that's one of the images in Isaiah. He's the Davidic king who brings hope. If you missed that sermon, go listen to it. This week, we're going to be teasing out the servant king who brings justice. That's actually the title of this Sunday's message. The servant king who brings justice. You can put that title up if you'd like. The servant king who brings justice. We're going to talk about justice. What does that mean? And next week, we're going to talk about the warrior king who brings victory. But over all of that, I want you to understand this. God's word to you is, are you living in the shadow of the great king? When it says that the servant king, it's a picture of God as a servant king, comes to bring justice, what that means is he comes to establish his kingdom. He comes to establish his way. That's what justice means. It's it's bigger than just, it's not less than fairness and a right judgment. It is that. But in this case, it's bigger than that. It's actually God's kingdom, God's way. And I'm going to use An illustration, though it's deficient and it doesn't even come close to what the Bible is saying, but hopefully this illustration will give you some categories to understand this word justice. I like to think of it, think of like hooks you put on the wall and you can hang things from. So this illustration hopefully is going to be a hook that you can put on the wall of your brain, right? In the room of your brain. For some it's a scary room, but anyways... So you put some hooks on that wall. Okay, so here's the illustration. What did Superman come to do? What did he come to bring? There you go. For those of you listening, for those of you listening worldwide on this broadcast, the young man in the corner there said, Superman, coming to bring truth, justice, and the American way. (laughs) Now, by the way, that's the 50s version. 
And today, they, they knocked out the American way in the most recent one. But, okay. But in the 50s version, you know, Superman was written like back in the 40s. He came to bring truth, justice in the American way. All right, so how in the world is that going to help me out understand this sermon? Jesus, the servant king, has come to bring truth, justice, and the kingdom of God way. You get it? He, he hasn't just come to bring truth. He hasn't just come to bring justice. But actually, truth and justice are a subset of the kingdom of God. Jesus came to bring a different way of living. He came to bring a different way. Not the American way, but the kingdom of God way. So, so that, that's the focus of the text this morning. Is Jesus Christ, who is the servant king, came to bring justice. And that justice is in fact God's kingdom. It is God's way. It is God's truth. It is God's justice. It is the very thing that rules and and. And, and it's the, the very essence of the kingdom of God. God's way. The servant king, Jesus, inaugurates the kingdom of God, the way of God. And so the question that I ask you this morning, the question we all have to think about is, are we citizens of the great kingdom of God? Are we citizens under the great king? Do we live in the shadow of the great king? If you're not a Christian this morning, oh friend, I pray you hear God's word. I pray you hear what God is saying to you, that you would live in the shadow of the great king. You would repent and you would bow your knee to Jesus. When Jesus came to this earth, he came preaching and you know what he preached? Repent for the kingdom of God has come. Stop trying to cast your shadow. Stop trying to establish your way and obey me and come underneath my shadow and my way. That's the essence really of the word of God. That's the essence of of, of God's story is redeeming creation back to his way and the salvation that he gives us in Christ Jesus. So who is this servant king and what is the justice that he brings What is the way that he brings? So let's read the text together in Isaiah 42, verses 1 to 4. Isaiah 42, verses 1 to 4. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his law. Three times in these verses, we find the word justice. In verse 1, it says he will bring forth justice to the nations. In verse 3, he will faithfully bring forth justice. In verse 4, he has established justice in the earth. This justice is God's kingdom. This justice is God's way. This justice is the essence of making things right on earth. And so the thesis of our message this morning, the thesis of this passage this morning is the following on the screen. The servant king brings forth justice to the nations. The servant king brings forth justice to the nations. Who is the servant king? Point one, the servant king's identity. 
If you see the word behold there in verse 1 of chapter 42, it's designed to connect us with verse 29 of chapter 41. And in verse 29 of chapter 41, it says the following, Behold, they, the earthly kings and idols, are all delusional. Their works are nothing. Their metal images are empty wind. So what God is doing here, and he often does this in scripture, is he's defining the servant king in contrast to the kings of this world and the idols of this world. And by and large, they are all delusional and they are all empty. You see, the servant king, according to this word right here, is the true king whom God upholds. He's the chosen servant of God and whom God delights and upon whom God places his spirit. That's what it says in verse one. Behold, my chosen, my servant, my chosen, and whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. So who is he? Well, he's introduced to us. In Matthew chapter 3, on the screen, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he, John, consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Why did Jesus allow John to baptize him? Because Jesus needed to be cleansed from sin? No. But because Jesus wanted to identify himself with the servant king of Isaiah 42. That's exactly why he had John do that. That's why Matthew recorded it the way he recorded it. And here we have to slow down a little bit and we've got to understand that what we're talking about here is the Trinity. If you're going to live under the shadow of the great king, you have to understand who he is. And if you're going to understand who the great king is, you have to understand the doctrine of the Trinity. Because if you're a Christian, if you're truly a Christian, then you believe in a Trinitarian God. In this text, we have God, one God, three persons. You have God the Father who sent Jesus, God the Son, upon whom God the Father placed God the Spirit in this text. One God, three persons. Equal in being, equal Absolutely equal in being, but different in functions. Jesus, as the Son, came to obey the Father, die on the cross for our sins, rise from the dead, ascend into heaven. The Father and the Son then sent the Spirit, who right now is speaking to you, I pray, and revealing to you, and grabbing your attention, and convicting you, and encouraging you, and applying the redemptive work of Jesus Christ to your life. That's what this text was designed to do, was to draw our attention. When it says, behold, in 42.1, what God is saying, listen up, look, 
I'm going to reveal to you the servant king. 700 years later, Isaiah was written in 700 BC, 700 years later at the baptism of Jesus Christ, the way it's set up is, hey, Jesus comes to John and says, baptize me. John says, no way, you're God in the flesh. You have no sin. I know, but we're going to fulfill what was written 700 years later. And so he baptizes him. The dove comes as, the spirit comes as a dove to rest upon him. And then there's a voice that is heard. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Folks, don't you understand? God's saying, this is him. This is the servant king. And to prove that, a little bit later in Matthew, Matthew chapter 12, verses 15 to 21, we read the following. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them, and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will hope. Jesus is the servant king. Direct quote of Isaiah here. Now, That's the servant king's identity. What's the servant king's mission? Point two. The servant king's mission. In verse one, we read he's come to bring justice to the nations. We read that also in verse three and in verse four. We learn that the servant king's mission is to bring justice. And as mentioned in the introduction, the justice of the servant king, justice is God's way. Justice is God's kingdom. Justice is is not less than fairness, but it's more than that. It's making everything right. Justice is the kingdom of God. It's exactly how Matthew saw it when he wrote in Matthew 4.17. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying what? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus came to bring truth, justice, and the kingdom way. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then further on in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, and he, Jesus, went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. What Jesus is doing here is he's saying, I've come to establish justice to the nation. What it means for Jesus to bring justice to the nations is that Jesus is bringing the the reign of the kingdom of God to them. He's saying, here is what the kingdom looks like. Here is the truth about God. Here is the truth about God's kingdom. Here's the truth about what God has done for you. Now, bow and come under the shadow of the great king. And who better to teach the truth about God than God? You would tell me, if I want to know the truth about you, just ask you, right? Now, when we say that, we're somewhat deceived. Ah, you're going to get kind of the truth, but we don't even understand ourselves. But God fully understands himself. So who is going to tell the truth about God? God, God in the flesh. That's why he came. Why he would come and do that to a bunch of arrogant people that are trying to cast their own shadow and reject the shadow of the great king, I'll never know. Actually, that's one of the ways we know what God is like. He's merciful. Because I wouldn't do that. I'd start over. But he did that. That's what it means bringing justice to the nations. So Jesus came to do that, to bring forth justice, to reveal his kingdom, his shadow, and call people to live underneath that shadow and live underneath that kingdom. But justice is, it also includes, and I love this, 
reconciliation. Jesus came to bring justice to the nations, to show them what justice is and how it's fulfilled. And the place where justice is fulfilled is on the cross. So Jesus came to bring truth. That's part of who God is and what he did. That is part of justice. But then Jesus came to fulfill justice so that he could reconcile us to God. What Jesus did when he came is he said on the cross, which is the focal point of Christianity. That's why Christians wear crosses and not hammers or toothbrushes. They wear crosses. <laughs> you ever wondered that? They're nice. Because it's at the cross where justice is vindicated. It's at the cross where the just God, speaking the truth about who he is, says, I am holy and I'm merciful. At the cross is where God reconciles us to himself by executing justice on Jesus, the just one, the one that didn't have to be baptized, the one that never sinned, but then took on our sin and gave us his righteousness so that justice is fulfilled, so that a just God could remain just and justify unjust people. That is really good news. That's the truth about God, not that you have to earn his favor. That is a lie. And it sneaks into our brains all the time. Every other religion, you've got to work for salvation. You've got to do something. If you're a good Muslim, you have to be hospitable. And you're hoping like crazy that your great hospitality will earn you heaven. You've got to do something. Every other religion, you have to arrive at nirvana. You have to arrive at something. You've got to work, 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 work. That's a lie. God isn't like that. He's holy and he must punish your sin, but he's merciful. So he punished Jesus, who is God in the flesh, to take your sin. So truth is part of justice and what Jesus came to bring as is reconciliation. And here's the deal. He not only reconciles you to God, but he reconciles us to God. He has a people for God. And here's really good news. He not only reconciles us, he reconciles his fallen creation. So that one day when he comes back, if you're a Christian, you're truly saved and reconciled to God. You believe the truth about God. You don't create your own gods that are empty and delusional. We all kind of float into empty delusion, don't we? But one day you will live in a new heavens and a new earth because he reconciles the fallen creation. No more tornadoes, no more earthquakes, no more Mount Etnas in in Italy now that's about to blow again and they thought it was dormant. None of that. He's going to reconcile creation. Dogs won't bite. Although although there's a question whether there'll be dogs in heaven. See, See, I could tell dog owners. They immediately give me the stink eye right there. All right, there'll be dogs in heaven. But you understand he reconciles all things. When it says Jesus brings justice to the nations, this is what he's saying. Do you realize that most people don't have that hope? Jesus brings that hope. And finally, Jesus sets all things right. What are we doing right now? We're talking about Jesus' mission. His mission is to bring justice to the nations. But I've got to tell you that justice to the nations isn't just some divine, you know, Judge Judy segment on TV, all right? Where, where, you know, justice is done like, okay, he wronged me, she wronged me, pay up. It's not less than fair treatment, but justice is truth about who God is, calling people to bow their knee to him. Justice, listen to me, is reconciling fallen creation beginning with human beings to God and creation itself will be made new. And justice is setting all things right. 
It's, it's, it's liberating the oppressed. It's, it's righting all wrongs. When it says Jesus brings justice to the nations, he's speaking to nations right now where people are horribly oppressed, but he gives them the hope that I will set this right one day. The evildoer will not get away with their evil. I will set things right. Jesus brings justice to the nations. And here's the good news. He calls us to go to the nations as his followers to proclaim that justice as well. It's full-orbed. It's not just the salvation of your soul, but it's the renewal of this creation. It's not just being a good person at church, but it's being a good worker there at the office, being a good student. It's reconciliation between you and God and you and your spouse or your friend or your neighbor or your mother or father-in-law or whomever or your child. It's all of that. And he's called us to go and declare that. And as we go and declare that, we've got to ask ourselves one last question. I know who the servant king is, Jesus Christ. I know what his mission is to declare, bring justice to the nations. All right, Al, I understand that justice is a full-orbed term that means God's way, the kingdom way. It means setting things right. It means the truth about God. It means reconciling fallen humanity with their creator. And it means setting all things right. But how will Jesus do that? See, this is where the Jews got it wrong in the first century. They heard by way of the grapevine, that Jesus Christ, Jesus from Nazareth, was the Davidic king. And so when he comes riding into Jerusalem, I don't know why this is the symbol for riding into Jerusalem. Just imagine he's riding like this. When he comes riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, do you remember what they shouted to him on that day? Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were thinking this passage. And others in Isaiah. The son of David, the king, listen to last week's message, who's going to reign forever and ever, i.e., we're going to reign forever and ever with you. And you know what they thought? He was going to immediately enlist a great army or somehow politically remove the Romans from oppressing them and set up a political kingdom in Jerusalem from where he would reign forever and ever and ever, and they missed it. They missed it. Because that's not the way Jesus was going to bring justice to the nations. Would you like to know the way he's going to bring justice to the nations? All right. Verse 2. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the streets. Now, again, let's take a step back from the text. This chin-chilling, spine-tingling text. This is exciting stuff, man. God often instructs us on how something's going to happen by way of contrast, so that he says it's not going to be this way, right? You can, divide, you can define something by negation. What is that? Well, I know it's not this, this, and this. That's what he's doing here. What he's doing is he's contrasting how earthly kings bring forth their way, their kingdom, their supposed justice, and the way the servant king is going to bring forth his. So it says there that he's not going to be crying aloud or lifting up his voice or making it heard in the street. What does that mean? Well, if you've seen the movie Aladdin, you actually know what it means without yet knowing what it means. In Jesus' day, when a great king 
was establishing his kingdom over his conquered peoples. When he would enter that city, he would enter that city the way good old Ali Ababwa entered the city on the big elephant when he was trying to impress Jasmine, the princess. You know, you guys have had an influence on me because I keep using Disney illustrations. And you know how I feel about Disney. But I love you more. Actually, it's a good illustration. Do you remember how it is? Make way for Prince Ali. And the whole, boom, boom, boom. You got all the people dancing, you know, and the guys with the swords. And Today, it would be tanks and armored personnel carriers. And it would be, you know, loudspeakers or, you know, your generation texts, uh, you know. And I don't know why I pointed to you guys. Why did it point to me? <laughs> That's how kings announce they're taking over. That's how people today announce anything. Get as much publicity as you can. Be as loud and as crazy and as self-promoting as you can. Promote, 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 promote. God doesn't do it that way. Thank God. I'm so tired of the other. And by the way, I say I'm so tired. I'm the same way. Give me a little fame. I'm there, baby. Promote it. Retweet that text. <laughs> Take a picture of me and post it a thousand times. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't, he didn't have to do that. God doesn't have to do that. He delights in doing things differently from how we do. Them. And they missed it. We miss it. We miss it. And then secondly, how is he going to bring justice, his kingdom, his way to the nations? We'll look at verse 3. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. What does that mean? Well, when an earthly king wants to bring his way, by the way, that king could be the king of a a nation, or could be a father trying to bring his way, (laughs) or a boss, his way. What does he do? He tramples. A broken reed. You know, a little a reed back then would be used to hold things up and it would break. It'd be hanging on by just the, the thinnest little sliver of like a green, you know, the, the, the skin of the, of the reed. It's just hanging there. And when a king comes in in the world, he just, just tramples it. Trampling boots. Look at that weak person. I'm going to oppress them and show them who's boss. Or if there's a wick... We don't use these today, or maybe if you, no, not even today, because it's all, it's different stuff. But back then, you had a wick, and it was soaked in oil, and the oil would go up through the wick, and they'd light it. And when the oil ran out, and the wick was just flickering, right? A massive king, you know, would just, just the screams of, here comes the king, and it would just blow out the wicks. The first ones that get hurt when a tyrant takes over a country are the weak and the broken and the oppressed. It's the first ones. He builds his kingdom on their backs. Jesus doesn't. He takes that broken reed and he heals it. He takes that wick that's about to go out and he dips it in the oil of the Holy Spirit and he lights it with his flame. God builds his kingdom with broken sinners that he saves and gives new life. This is what they missed. Remember they mocked Jesus on the cross? 
In fact, before Jesus went to the cross, do you remember what Jesus said? And if you're not a Christian, I'm sorry I'm saying do you remember, but if you are a Christian and you've been one for a while, do you remember what Jesus said to Pilate? Right before Pilate, who was the Roman governor of that area, was going to judge him to death, and Pilate was starting to get an inkling that this guy is different, man. I don't know if I want to send this guy to his death. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, and this is a paraphrase, I could sum up armies that would wipe you out in a second. But it wasn't. He was instituting it this way. He was instituting in weakness and in brokenness because Jesus, Jesus builds his kingdom with broken sinners and he takes the broken reeds, you and me, people that, that, that others look at and say, that guy, that lady is good for nothing. They're broken. Their life is broken. They've messed up so many times. Throw out the broken reed. Throw it in the trash. That wick, that's just not providing light. Get it out of here. Jesus comes and he gently restores it, gives it life. And lest you think that because Jesus brings justice, his kingdom, and his way in this manner, that he is weak. Oh, friend, he is not weak. Look at verse 4. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth. His kingdom, his way, his truth about who he is, his reconciliation. He's going to make all things right. And he will not grow faint and he will not be discouraged until that happens. What I love about this is that Jesus doesn't just talk about justice. He gets it done. Oswald, in his commentary, says he doesn't just talk about justice or offer it as a possibility or a dream. He puts it in place operationally. He establishes it. I was thinking about this this morning. We sang about it. In fact, we're going to sing about it at the very end when we sing Rising Sun again. And I was thinking, God doesn't get weary or discouraged. And I think, how different from me. I often get weary and discouraged. But here's the question I have for myself. I'm pointing at you, but it's for myself. If I find myself weary and discouraged, shouldn't I ask myself first, hey Al, whose kingdom are you trying to uh, <clears throat> further here? God's or yours? Hey Al, are you living under the shadow of the great king or are you so busy trying to cast your shadow on other people? Getting them to do what you want. Are you trying to establish your way or his way? Because I'll tell you this, church, if you are about establishing your way instead of his way, if you're about casting your shadow over people, I guarantee you, you are going to get discouraged and you're going to get weary. And as a Christian, we ought to take that as a sign that we need to reevaluate what we're trying to do and how we're trying to do it. If I'm trying to get what I think is the right thing done and I'm beating people up, not physically. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I'm being harsh. I'm throwing away the weak. I'm not valuing those who are broken. I'm blowing out the wick. I'm discouraging people further. I'm yelling at someone instead of encouraging them. Then I need to examine my heart. Am I just trying to establish my kingdom in my way or God's? 
Because my, my word here says, this word here says that God will not grow faint. The servant king will not grow faint and he will not be discouraged until he has established justice on the earth. So if he's not growing faint and he's not growing discouraged until his justice is established and if I'm his follower and I'm doing it the way he's doing it and after all, it's his justice, his king, his shadow, why am I growing faint and discouraged? He's not. Now, that doesn't, we can still weep, we can still mourn, we can still cry when no one comes to an event that we've planned for, you know, years. Or Uncle Joe just continues to reject the gospel and is very mean when we go for dinners. When we see the, the oppression and the, the crime and the, the harshness of this world, I can still be human and cry and it can still break me out. I'm a human being, but that bone weariness and that discouragement and that saying, I quit, I'm done. If he doesn't get that way, then we can go to him and he'll encourage us. When our prayers seemingly go unanswered for years. When, when the wick is going out of my passion for God or his people. When I'm broken, either by my sin or others or a combination of the two. My, my savior, my Lord, the servant king will come and he'll restore me. And then he calls me to follow Kim in the great mission that we all have. To tell the truth about who God is and what he did. That's called the gospel to be agents of reconciliation to a world that is so out of whack with God. And yes, to right wrongs and to work for justice, but doing it under his shadow, not trying to cast my own shadow. Here's the appeal, church. The appeal is this. Our servant King Jesus establishes his kingdom by healing bruised reeds and reigniting smoldering wicks. He restores broken humans in this sin-cursed world and then he calls us to follow him in that task. Bruised reeds hang on by a slender green thread. Is that you this morning? Maybe in an area, maybe in your life in general. Are you hanging on by a slender green thread? Jesus will restore you. The servant king restores you. And he puts you back together so that you might go and bring forth justice, speaking the gospel truth about who God is and what he's done for other bruised reeds. Smoldering wicks are about to go out entirely. They represent our frailty as human beings. We lose faith at times. We lose hope at times. Do you feel like that right now? Do you feel like your faith is about to go out? Your desire to do anything is about gone God dips you in the oil of his spirit, Christian, and restores your faith and gives you fresh hope and zeal to go out and restore other smoldering wicks by his spirit. He sends us out with the same message and the same method. And at the end of this passage, it says that the coastlands, that's just another word for the distant lands. The coastlands for a Jew was the furthest place on earth. The coastlands wait for his law. Because what happens is, when, when the word comes out that there's, there's justice, there's truth about God, there's truth about what he's done, there's going to be reconciliation, there's justice. Oh, we long for justice. When word goes out, then they want his law. That Hebrew word is Torah. They want to be taught 
talking about his elect. And so this is the great commission. He sends us out with his methods and his word and his truth. And the coastlands are waiting. This is why we have half of our church in Costa Rica right now. Because they're doing that in Costa Rica to broken people. To a pastor whose wife died six months ago of cancer. They're, they're leading the children's ministry this morning. This is why Corey and, and, and Kyle went to India a couple of weeks ago. To broken people, to, to little old women who Corey was telling me would sit on the side of this mountain road and their whole life was to break rocks to make the pavement because their cast could do none other. And we're to go and sit and to bring justice and say, oh, my sister, you are have dignity because you're in the image of God. Hear the truth about God. Hear the truth about what he's done. And here, be reconciled to God. We declare his kingdom, his way, truth, justice, and the kingdom way. And we call them to repent and live in the shadow of the great king, believing on Jesus Christ, the servant king. Let us pray. Father, I pray that you would give us grace. Lord, your love is like the rising sun. Lord, we cannot make the sun rise. There's no way that I can make the sunrise this morning. And yet it rose this morning because you are the one. Your name is above all names. And we sing hallelujah. Lord, we pray that you would comfort and strengthen the broken reeds here this morning that are hanging on by a thread. By your spirit, bind up their wounds and make them whole. Lord, we pray for those who are about to, to just, about to go out. They're, the light's going out. Lord, bring your grace to them. Dip them in the oil of your spirit. Oh, God, the Holy Spirit, sir, you are here. You're anointing us. Reignite us, God. Reignite us as a people, as a church. Tomorrow, as we walk out of these doors right now, tomorrow when we go to school, when we go to work, when we're in our neighborhoods, with our families, we would be those agents of your justice. We would bring justice to the nations and tell the truth about you. Be agents of reconciliation. Agents of righting the wrongs. Because of you, oh servant king. So we sing to you, for you are the rising sun. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us stand. Let us sing by faith this song. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to find out more resources or see how you can donate to this ministry, simply visit palmvista.org. And be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date with upcoming teachings.